Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. Hey everybody, so excited to be starting our new series with you today. And I wanna talk with you uh, really on the concept of biblical relationships. Um, I think if we've learned anything in the last year and a half is that relationships are so crucial. Introverted, extroverted, type A personality, wherever you are on the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, regardless, we all need relationships. We need to cultivate friendships. Many of us are married uh, or would like to be, have friends and work colleagues and really relationships is a catch-all definition to describe any people that you have a relationship with, any people that you have um, some form of connection with, whether that be friend or family relationships. And today I want to talk to you Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about devotion and prayer and money and forgiveness. And our friend Fillmore Bowles is going to be speaking really to culminate the series. Um, But I want to talk to you today from the passage of Luke 6.31. And the Bible says this, Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is Jesus speaking. The Bible also says in Exodus 18.20, excuse me, which I think is probably the the overarching scripture for our series um, that we're looking at over these next few weeks. And that is when God speaks to Moses and says, show them how to live. Show them how to live. In other words, show them, show them how, to, how to execute a day-to-day life. Show them how to do everyday living and breathing exercises. Show them how to just be good people. And on that note, let's pray. And I believe that God's going to speak to us today. I believe that he's with us. I believe he's going to have his way. And Father, we ask that you would touch this word and touch your people. Speak to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Really, we can't live without relationships. We can't avoid them. Uh, it's proven that we live longer, that we are happier, that there are fewer mental health issues, and that intentional relationships are good for our overall well-being. It makes sense then that as Christians, that you and I should invest in the quality of our relationships. Right now, think of your friends, your roommates, your spouse, your family, The Bible gives us line after line of great advice on how to live and function within good relationships. Romans 13 verse 8 says, Owe no one anything, man, life advice, except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 1 Corinthians 13 5 says, For love keeps no record of wrongs. First Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. This is good advice for us because love covers a multitude of sins. The Bible is our tool, our handbook, and our guide for life. And it's these scriptures that help us cultivate and figure out parameters of how to create healthy relationships. Today, I want to talk to you about three key parts of relationships. The first one, super practical, is how to start relationships how to start them, how to build friendships, how to start on the journey of building a relationship with someone else. The second one is how to keep relationships. And the last one is how to fix them, how to start them, how to keep them. And I think for all of us at one time or another, we'll need to know how to fix them. I want to talk to you about meeting people, about body language, about making friends. Then I want to talk to you about self-sacrifice, communication, love languages. And then I want to talk about compromise, humility, forgiveness, and being the person that takes the first step. But as we launch in today, let's talk about starting 
relationships. The Bible gives us, through the preaching of Jesus, this incredible uh, benchmark, this gold standard of relationships. And he says this in Luke 6.31, the age-old question, do to others as you would have them do to you. That's a mic drop moment. Jesus is talking, and he's like, hey, so look, if I could sum up how to have good quality relationships with others, I would just say this, do to others as you would have them do to you. Treat people how you want to be treated. The, the, the age-old question of how do I want to be treated by others, and that should be the benchmark of how to deal with other people. Jesus is incomparable in his skill with dealing with other people, incomparable in his skill of building relationships. He was both a high-profile dignitary, moving at pace on a mission. But at the same time, he was a slow-moving pastoral powerhouse. Luke 2.52 says that, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. Jesus was genuinely interested in the lives of other people, and so should we. He was interested in their needs, in their concerns. He placed value on their life. He, he was so intrinsically and inherently concerned about other people that he started relationships all the time, that he was full of hope, he was optimistic. Put it this way, when you take a group photo, no matter um, whether it's a family gathering or you're with your friends at the beach, at the cottage, on vacation, whatever it is, when there's a group photo in school, graduation, I mean, who's the first person you look for? Let's be honest. Unless you have a crush on someone or she's there in the photo, for the most part, you're looking at and finding yourself. We're all, we're all culprits of finding ourselves unashamedly is the first thing that we look at in the photos that are taken. It's human nature. We are thinking of ourselves. To make friends, the key then is to not make it about you, to start relationships, friends. And this is just a key piece of advice as we start on this journey. Make it about them. The next time you're in a circle, focus on others. Ask questions of other people. Make it about them. The practical tip as we jump into the sermon today is this. Jesus learned people's names. Luke 19 verse 5 says that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Someone once said that someone's name is the sweetest sound in the English language that someone's name is so important to them, but we have difficulty in learning names. Often we don't hear them the first time, or often we're thinking about what we're going to say rather than taking a moment to listen to what it is that they just said. Be someone who's good at learning names. Get good at mastering phrases like this. I'm so sorry, I didn't hear your name clearly. Could you please repeat it one more time? Get good at repeating it. Ask them to spell it. Sorry, what was that? That's an interesting name. Comment on it. Repeat the name in your head. Use then their name several times in the conversation. You're thinking right now, gee, Levi, this is super practical. What happened to the deep theological teaching that you normally bring us? Well, I think when it comes to starting relationships, I think this is advice that we all need. Repeat their name several times and make sure you say it when you go to leave. Often if I'm in a circle and I've forgotten someone's name, I'll just ask somebody. I'll say, hey, what's that person's name? And if they say, I don't know, then I'll take the bullet and I'll walk in and say, I'm so sorry I've forgotten your name. And then I'll repeat out loud so they hear it too. Make sure that you repeat it. There was a study done uh, on a, uh, what was called uh, a Tippy the Dog. And Tippy the Dog, uh, in a book I read um, about influencing others, said that in this, in this 
a particular scenario, this example of this dog, is that the dog didn't study human psychology. That typically the dog, although uh, didn't study anything formally, was a genius in human relations. He was perfect in his skill and execution of outworking human relationships. He liked people himself, was the bottom line. His interest was so sincere and so genuine that people couldn't help but love Tippy the dog in return because he was so keen to love others. The moral of the story of Tippy is that if you want to make friends in this life, my advice to you, friend, is this. Be friendly. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Be someone that when people think of you, they think of themselves. When they think of you, they think of how good you make them feel. The, the old adage says that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The people that you know who have the most friends genuinely and generally are the ones who are the most friendly. There is power, friends, in a warm smile. There is power in giving someone else their moment. When I think of people with a warm smile, Mike Humphrey stands out. Just the self-effacing kind of walk-in, make-it-about-others kind of guy. And as a result, has many, many friends. The historian Thomas Carlyle said this, that a great man shows greatness by the way that he treats little men. Billionaire Charles Schwab said, I am yet to find a man who will put out more work under the spirit of criticism than under the spirit of approval. Starting relationships, positivity, optimistic, encouraging, practical tips, make it about other people, learn people's names. That Jesus somehow knew Zacchaeus' name, knew that he had asked someone to find out their name. What's his name? Who's that guy? I want to stay at his place tonight. And his name is recorded in the Bible because Jesus remembered his name. The second thing is starting relationships, that's great. What's, what's important then I think as we move on and we're going to broaden the definition here of relationships is keeping relationships, keeping relationships. To start them is great, to keep them I think is even better. We transition here now from starting to keeping. That relationships, understand this, require investment. Think now about your marriage. That you started your marriage, it was great, it was the honeymoon period, Wonderful, fantastic, but you have to now work on not just starting, but keeping, maintaining, sacrificing in that relationship. I've got four kids. I've got a, we've got a relationship. It's already started, done. Now my job is to keep feeding it, keep growing it. Think about your friends, your work colleagues. To think about building relationships and keeping relationships is about a spirit of self-sacrifice, communication, finding out what their love language is. See, for instance, if I have friends who are, who are words of affirmation love language, like me, it's easy. It's great. We just affirm each other. It's brilliant. But if I have a friend that's an acts of service love language, if I have a friend that's a gift giving a love language, if I have a friend that's a quality time, then I've got to change the way that I speak love to that person based on them receiving that love. Friend, if you're in a marriage and you're writing notes to your spouse and giving gifts to your spouse, and feeling like you're not getting that love back in return, that's probably because you're speaking love in the way that you want to receive it. Maybe change tack just a little. And maybe start to give love to the way that you know that they would receive that love, even if it's a foreign language for you. Love language is self-sacrifice. Here's a practical tip for us today. My practical tip for you today is this, is that Jesus was a good listener. I mean, he inherently just listened to people. He was focused. He was, he was engaged. 
You know when you talk to someone and they don't make eye contact with you? You know, they're like, yeah, 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 cool, man. Like you're talking about, like, great, that's cool. Yeah, it's crazy. If someone says, that's crazy, dead giveaway that they're not listening. Jesus, he, in the Bible, we didn't see Jesus. Someone's like, come and say, man, I can't see. I've got, I've got this issue. And he's like, that's crazy, bro. You don't see that in the Bible. I read the Bible, I don't see that. Jesus was a good listener. Luke 2.46 says this, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting amongst the teachers. Note this, listening to them and asking questions, that Jesus was engaged with people. If there's one truth you need to know about dealing with people, it is this, people love talking about themselves. The next time you're on Zoom chat, or the next time you're in a circle of people talking, I want you to just, just observe this one thing. Just say little, say less, but I want you to observe what other people talk about. And you'll quickly see that people just love to talk about themselves. Again, it's human nature. People get a kick out of it because it's what they know. I mean, I just, I know me because I'm, I'm with me all the time. I know my experiences. I know how I felt about those experiences. All people want is an interested and engaged listener. To, to be a listener is easy because all you need to do is just not talk and use your ears. Ask questions that people will enjoy answering. People are far more interested in themselves and in their problems than they are in yours. In that same circle environment, as you begin to talk about yourself, you watch, 20, 30% of the room will just switch off. Because really, people just want to talk about themselves. James 1 verse 19 says, My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. He also says there, and be slow to become angry. Be quick to listen. Our practical tip here is that Jesus made people feel important because he believed they were. Jesus made people feel important because he believed they were. Matthew 4.19 in the Passion Translation says, Jesus called out to them and said, come and follow me and I will transform you into men who catch people for God. He wanted to make people feel important because he genuinely believed that they were. When we come to making others important, we need to do it sincerely. We need to encourage and lift people sincerely out of a desire to see them live their best selves and live their best life right now by encouraging and lifting and engaging. The amount of times I've been, as a pastor, been in a church environment and people have come in and have found a home and a community, not because the church is providing anything out of the ordinary, Jesus, the Holy Spirit and relationship with God aside, we provide uh, ears who listen and relationships to be had in a home and a community. But friends, that, that's what people are looking for. They're looking for that, and then that becomes a conduit for them finding so much more through their relationship with Jesus. A law of human conduct is that hum, there's a human desire for all of us to have an importance in being valued. That there's a sense that for all of us, we want to have that sense of importance and sense of value like I mean something. And what's really cool is that we can give that to people and sincerely mean it because we, we believe that there is so much value that Jesus paid the ultimate price for their life and we can encourage and call it out. Do to others as, as you would have them do to you. Instill value in others. Encourage people to be better. Make them better. Be the kind of person that people want to be around. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. In other words, you only become a brother, which is, a, which is the closest familial sense of friend. 
You only become a brother when there is adversity. So when adversity comes, if you stay close and are determined that everything's going to be okay, it's going to be fine, we can get through this. That's what creates that closer sense of intimacy is the adversity that comes. Don't be a friend that when adversity comes, you disappear. Be the brother to people who face adversity. Be the brother that they think of in times of trial. Practical tip, write this down if you're taking notes. Jesus was high empathy. High empathy. Jesus loved people. He listened. He was so passionate about others. He was so interested in the lives of other people. And he's our benchmark. Spurgeon says this, of the four gospels, 89 chapters in all of biblical text, that there's only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. There's only one place in 89 chapters of biblical text where Jesus tells us about his own heart in the four gospels. And that is in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, where he says, I am gentle and lowly of heart. Only one time where he speaks about his own heart in four books. If I wrote four books, that's all you'd hear about. Jesus flips it though and makes it about others. He had an incredible focus on others, an incredible desire to make people the number one priority of his life. Keeping relationships, starting relationships. But let's talk now about fixing relationships. Uh, I think that it's really important to understand that relationships break down. I mean, your life breaks down, your, your physical body breaks down, we get emotionally strung out, we get spiritually dry, we drift from God. These are things that happen in our daily lives. These are not good things, but these are things that happen. So when they do happen, don't beat yourself up, but pick yourself up and do something about it. Fixing relationships is about forgiveness. It's about compromise. It's about humility. Um, like I'm right all the time, I get that, but I'm the only one. No one's right all the time. When it comes to fixing relationships, be the first to say sorry. Be the first one to lean in and compromise and say, you know what, that's on me, that's my bad. Let's move forward. Work on building the relationship, work on conflict resolution and move forward in the relationships that you have. Relationships will break down. It is on us to then fix those relationships and be the first to do so. In a few weeks, I'm gonna preach a message on forgiveness that's gonna just uh, come on the back of this message and the other message that we're here through this series so nicely when it's going to talk about the fact that it's the um it's the offended that takes the initiative that jesus was offended yet took initiative jesus was hurt by man yet took initiative jesus was the one god was the one that that we hurt that we estranged ourselves from he did nothing against us in fact quite the opposite but the offended takes the initiative Got a manager at work that's treating you poorly? The offended takes the initiative. Got someone in your life that's thrown shade on you? The offended takes the initiative. Be the one to forgive. Be the one to say sorry. Be the one to fix and mend those relationships. This is a proactive step for us that, for in any, if anything, requires from us a deep sense of humility to know that I'm not entitled or, or I'm not bigger than you that our God came low. And, and in that shows in us and for us the biblical way of living. The practical tip here for us is this, Jesus paves the way for biblical forgiveness. He was offended yet forgave, the victim yet forgave. He was hurt and yet forgave. In fact, he said this in Luke 23 verse 24, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know. 
When it comes to our relationship with others, we need to have that. We need to have that take on the relationship. They don't know. They don't understand. They're hurt. They're broken. It's going to be okay. I forgive them. Lord, help me. They don't know what they do. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive them their trespass, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespass. You have been betrayed by someone and someone has let you down and it is time, my friends, for you and I to say sorry. It is time for you and I to be in my family, how I, I put it in our family is this, that it's easy to say sorry. That someone has said that forgiveness is like letting go of a rattlesnake. The choice benefits the snake, but it benefits us all the more. And the practical tip here is this. Jesus embodies humility, the humility that's required to fix any human relationship. That Jesus embodies the humility that's required to fix any human relationship. In our family, we just try and coin the phrase, it's easy to say sorry. It's easy to say sorry. That if something goes wrong, that if one of the kids lose something or something breaks or someone hits someone, pulls someone's hair, it's easy to say sorry. In your life, let that be a phrase that goes over and over in your mind that it's easy to say sorry, that it's easy to forgive, that it shouldn't be something that's hard, it shouldn't be something that you have to do a backwards flip. Remember playing, playing um, 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 what's that game? Twister. You know, you're like big, bending over backwards like a bad Pilates pose, you know. That shouldn't be what it's like for a Christian to say sorry. It should be easy. This week, someone's going to offend you, but it's easy to say sorry. This week, someone's going to do wrong by you, but it's easy to say sorry. This week, you're going to be hard done by, but it is easy to say sorry. Let's this week be Christ followers who are the salt of the earth, bringing color and bringing flavor to every room because we are not um, finding it difficult to be engaged with people, to listen, to forgive. That it's easy to say sorry. As I've been talking about this last point about fixing relationships and love languages and self-sacrifice and humility, as I've been talking, um, for you there have been some, because God's at work in your life, but there have been some images that have come up in your life of people that you need to forgive. Just different people in your life that have offended you or hurt you in some way. And you don't even need to reach out to those people, I don't think. But I think in your heart, you know if you've forgiven them or not. And in your heart, right now, just determine in this moment that you forgive those people, whatever they've done. The offender takes the initiative. It's easy to say sorry. We are the most like Christ when we're forgiving other people. If anyone had an excuse to be mad at humanity and mad at you, it was Jesus. It was God because he made you for purpose. We step outside of his will. We offend him. He could get mad. But instead of doing that, he forgave us. He made a way. He made a way and purchased the, the, the way for us to have a relationship with him with his very blood. He sent Jesus. And so today, let me encourage you. Find a way to forgive that person today. Take a minute as soon as church is finished. Take a minute right now and pray. Say, God, give me the... Give me the strength that I need. Give me everything that I need to forgive the people that have offended me. In my life, when I look back at the times that I've been offended, the times that I've been hurt, I'll often, uh, 
You know, I think that I've done the work of forgiveness in my heart. I think that I've allowed the Holy Spirit to come like oil and, and do that work in me. And, um, and then I'll think of that person six months, three months, a year or two later, and I'll still have that. You know, that, that sense of frustration, that hurt, that like, ah, I'm not quite there yet. So then I'll go again. God, help me, help me, help me, help me. God, give me, give me everything that I need, everything that I need to forgive them, to move forward in this relationship. And then three months later, six months later, a year or two, have the same thing. And you'll find that if you do that day after day, month after month, and if it's recurring, every time you think, if you allow God to do the work and you take the initiative, that every time it happens or every time that person comes back in your life, the frustration or that hurt will be less and less every time until that beautiful day. When you think about that person, hey, it might be tomorrow, it might be today. Think about that person and in your heart is love. And, and, and adoration, and God's done his work. And so let me encourage you today. It is easy to say sorry. To start relationships, we need to be people like Christ who were empathetic listeners, who understood people's names, who listened. I take great pride in the fact that I try and listen as well as I can, and then if we lose track in the conversation, I'm able to circle back because I was listening, or I'm able to revisit a conversation some months early or weeks earlier because I was listening. We have to start relationships, get good at that. And in this world where uh, COVID-19 has meant that relationships have been strained and stretched and you're only connecting with a very small group of people, how precious now are relationships. But as things change and as things open up in the world, it's important to know that you're going to meet new people. And you're going to have conversations with other people one day without plexiglass in the way, one day without masks. You're going to have intimate conversations and build a new life for yourself. And as you do that, it is important, I think, to revisit those skills. What's your name? How do you spell that? Where are you from? What's your story? Really, really nice to meet you. Sorry, can I get your name one more time? Never be afraid to ask for forgiveness. You forgot someone's name. It's better that you forgot their name and then let them know early then you know what it's like. A month or two in, you still don't know their name. And now it's like, hey, you, hey, bud. Hey, this is classic for me. Bro, how's it going, man? If I've called you bro, it doesn't mean I don't know your name. It's a term of endearment, but for sure it could. You know, if I call you bud, it doesn't mean I haven't forgotten your name. It's a term of endearment, but what it means I could have. Starting relationships. Then we need to then transition into keeping relationships, maintaining relationships, servicing relationships. Your car doesn't just run. You have to like throw time and energy, put money into the car that gets you from A to B. Relationships are the same. Relationships are not supposed to be self-serving. That relationships are there to serve you. No, you are there to serve people. So you need to put time and effort and energy and money, sacrifice, humility, learn love language. What do, what do you prefer? What do I prefer? Are they morning person, night person, introvert, extrovert? Asking yourself all these questions about the people that you love to best serve those people, because that's what Jesus did. And then lastly, it's about forgiveness. It's about being someone who doesn't just start, doesn't just build or keep, but is able to fix, fix broken relationships. Get good at diagnosing relationships. Where's it at? Where did it go wrong? What's the story? Do we need to have a conversation? What can I do better? All these little questions that you ask yourself are going to be, I guess, super beneficial for you moving forward. When I think about Jesus, he, he paved the way. I, I can only be here today talking to you about these things. And look, I'm not perfect. 
There's so much forgiveness that I have to let flow in my life towards others, people that have hurt me or done me wrong. But without Jesus, that would be very difficult. Without Jesus, I wouldn't be able to be here today to talk to you with a degree of authority on these issues because I've been able to see forgiveness flow in my life. I've been able to come to God after breaking his heart and know that he forgives me and then able to move forward and start to build and maintain and fix relationship with others because of what Jesus has done in my life. When I first met Jesus, the joy, the freedom and the peace that flowed in my heart from a relationship with him was able to then flow into the relationships that I had with other people, my mum, my dad, my four brothers, aunties, uncles, cousins, friends, people who I deeply, deeply cared about were able to be impacted because of the positive relationship that I had in my life with Jesus. And so friend, no matter where you are today, no matter where you're listening from, listening in Ontario, other parts of Canada, all over the world today, listening in Auckland, New Zealand, in Melbourne, Australia, wherever you might be, friend. I'm so blessed that you tuned in. And if you're a Christian right now, first of all, be praying for those who are watching who are not Christians. But if you're a Christian right now, never forget that a daily and weekly repentance as I come back to the cross, as I come back to first fruit, as I come back to prioritizing the nucleus, the fund, the, the nucleus, Nacho, as I come back to the fundamentals of my relationship with Jesus, that it's about me coming back to the cross and repenting and asking for forgiveness as often as I can. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, at least I want to talk to you in a second, but if you do, don't let these moments pass you by and these moments right now of repentance and prayer and forgiveness. But if you don't know Jesus, I would love to pray for you. I mean, far out. The best thing I could do with my day today would be to pray with you and, and be sure, excuse me, <clears throat> that you have got a relationship with Jesus in your life, that you're right with God. There's no greater relationship that can be the foundation of all of your relationships moving forward than a relationship with Jesus, that He showed humility and sacrifice and paid the ultimate price for you and for me when He died on the cross. He died for you, friend, no matter what you face. No matter what shame or guilt exists in your life, He died for you. And so let me pray for you right now. And as I pray, I'll pray one line, and then you repeat back to me that line. We'll pray that together. We're, just for privacy's sake, close your eyes. Just to, If you want to just get in that space, like you're really talking to your Creator. And as you pray, as we pray together, I believe by faith that that prayer will change your life forever. And so I'll pray one line, and you repeat after me. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amazing. Emojis in the chat. People are so pumped. There's someone who's hosting the chat right now. You can, there's a button that's there with a little hand raised that you made a decision for Christ. You can press that. Someone will pray for you in like a little separate, like private space where you can just say, hey, this is my story. This is who I am. This is where I'm from. We'd love to get your Bible. love to pray with you get you on a small group, do everything that we can to make sure that you can move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ because we believe that that relationship will impact all of the other relationships that are in your life. Love you so much, church. I really pray that you enjoy this next sort of five or six week series. We'll put a lot of thought, a lot of prayer into it. And we really believe that through these spring and summer months, hello, 
that God's going to really impact your life deeply. And as we take biblical living, not just great ideas that I learned from a self-help book, but what does the Bible say about living this life that he's called us to live? And I know it's going to deeply impact your life. Love you so much. See you next week. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.